Every time you look at a cross, every time that you look at the image of the empty tomb, if you will, just look at that and say, you know what? That represents that I'm beyond self-repair. I can't fix myself, but Jesus can. Jesus can do the work in your life today. He can make all things new. Welcome to This Day in the Word with Pastor John Couch, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. It is a joy to have you listening today, and we pray that you will be encouraged, challenged, and motivated to live for God like never before. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor John Couch. Father, as we come before you, just reminded of just your greatness, just reminded of your splendor, God, we ask that that your name be hallowed in this place today. God, we pray that your kingdom would come and that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so, Father, as we quiet our hearts before you, we ask that you would just meet us where we are today. Whatever the struggle, whatever the challenge, God, I pray that you would show us your glory. Show us the richness of your word, that it's it's life to the true believer. It gives life to the unbeliever. And God, I pray all over this room today that that you would raise up an army of people that, that love your word. God, may it nourish our souls as we open the Scriptures. May it stir in our minds in such a way today that I pray that my heart, that all of our hearts today would be soft and tender to receive the implanted Word of God gladly. So God, move me out of the way so that we just hear from you. And may you receive all the glory and all the praise. And we pray this in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. Well, here in Acts chapter 2, we're in verses 42 through 47, and this is exciting text. Not that God's Word is not exciting, but this is exciting text today as we look at keys to spiritual church growth. Keys to spiritual church growth. How many of you today, by a show of hands, desire to grow spiritually besides me? Man, I desire to grow spiritually. I pray that we're all on this journey and we're stumbling towards Jesus. Man, there, there's some days that you kind of go, man, that was amazing. Praise God. And other days you go, man, can I get a do-over? You guys ever want a do-over? There's days I want to do over. You know, you just, you're living for the Lord, but man, it's just hard at times. And we stumble and we fail, but we press forward by God's grace and by His mercy. A.B. Simpson said this quote many years ago, and it's a powerful quote, so buckle up. He said these words. He said, the chief danger of the church today is that it's trying to get on the same side as the world instead of turning the world upside down. Our master expects us to accomplish results, even if they bring opposition and conflict. Anything is better than compromise, apathy, and paralysis. God, give us 
an intense cry for the old-time power of the gospel and the Holy Ghost. Amen? Yeah, there is something as I have been dialoguing with even younger folks of the younger generation, and it's interesting because often we think of the younger generation, you know, wanting the laser lights and the smoke machines and, and all that good stuff, but so often what I'm hearing is just the opposite. They're wanting something that has great fidelity to it. That they're wanting realness. They're wanting a reverence back towards the Lord, a holiness back towards the Lord. And, and I believe we can learn from that younger generation that, that what if that would happen in your heart today and my heart today? That what if we began to desire just a, a zeal from the Lord of, of His purity, of His holiness, of His glory, of, of His hallowedness, if you will? Well, I believe in Acts chapter 2, we're going to see very clearly what these early believers, this early church, what they pursued, and it was just that. And so follow along in your Bible, if you would. I'm going to start in verse 37 from a couple weeks ago to give us this context. And here's what 37 says, and we'll start in 37, kind of A, we'll call it. Now, when they heard this, this was Peter preaching this sermon, and he was up in their business, they were cut to the heart hmm. to be pierced, to be agitated violently is what that means. And then what happened? Well, when you think through this conviction of the Holy Spirit, they respond, well, what shall we do? So they're cut to the heart. There's a, a piercing of the heart by the proclamation of the Word of God. It's unadulterated. It's not watered down. It's kind of not that milky toast that Peter's there going, Oh, by the way, I want you guys to know that you killed Jesus. And through the truth of that word, through the truth of that heralding, through the truth of that proclamation, their hearts are ripped wide open. And they respond with this thought of, what shall we do? Now, now you got to understand this, that this one question, when you look there, either on the screens or in your Bible, this one question's an outflow of exactly what this joyful submission looks like. When a person's heart is spiritually broken, the outflow will be spiritual action. Let me say that again. When a person's heart has been spiritually broken, the outflow will be spiritual action. It's hard to stand on the sidelines spiritually when your heart has been spiritually broken. You say, well, what did they do? Well, I'm glad you asked. Look in your Bible of today's verses, and we'll start in verse 42. Acts chapter 2, 42, it says this, listen closely, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Now look at 43, this is so cool, here's the results. Here's the result of their spiritual action. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. 44, and all who believed were together, and they had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Now look at 46 and 47. And day by day, so this repetitiveness in a good way, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. 
praising God and having favor with all people. And I love this. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Can we get an amen on that? That's good stuff, isn't it? I mean, if you want a spiritual roadmap to what it looks like to just not have a church grow spiritually, but your family grow spiritually, there are so many key nuggets right here in your Bible in front of you that show us what it looks like to take the roots of your life, and we all have spiritual roots. Every one of us have spiritual roots, and these roots are sunk down into the soil. The question is, what are we feeding those roots? What are the goals of those roots? Are they spiritual goals? When you look in your Bible there in verse 42, let me read that again. It says this, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and prayers. So we could break this down into four segments, four, four many chunks of Scripture here. But what's interesting is when you look at the first four words in that verse, and they devoted themselves. Literally, it means this, to be courageous, to be unrelenting in a pursuit of a goal. You guys ever devoted yourself to something before? Maybe a hobby? Perhaps a relationship? It's interesting when we devote ourselves to non-spiritual things, we often will have great courage and great unrelenting passion for those goals. By the way, not a bad thing. If you're a Christ follower in the room today and you go to a work environment tomorrow, you should be the best employee at your, at your work. Like that should be your aim. I'm representing Christ. I got Christ in me, the hope of glory. The Word of God is dwelling in me richly. I'm going to go to work tomorrow. I should be the best employee at that place of business. Why? Because Christ is in me. That's a good thing. That's a noble thing. We all should be doing that. But what's interesting when you think through this, that you look at these four things in verse 42, that they devoted themselves. There's courage. There's unrelenting passion and pursuing. There's total commitment. To what? The apostles' teaching, number one. I find this interesting, that the Word of God is listed first. We know the Word of God to be the sword of the Spirit in Ephesians 6. We know the Word of God is the truth. In a truthless culture, we the true believers have the truth, amen? We have the truth. I hold in my hand this Bible I believe this Bible from beginning to end. I believe it's the Word of God. We stand on the Word of God. Remember that little song we teach the kids, the B-I-B-L-E? You guys remember that one? The B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on what? What the world says? I stand alone on what everyone else thinks? No, I stand alone on the Word of God. The B-I-B-L-E, it's the Bible. The Bible is either absolute or it's obsolete. We stand on the Word of God. In the early church, they were so passionate about this being devoted together. There was a oneness. There was a unity of heart, mind, and soul. And it started, number one, with the Bible, the apostles' teaching. 
Everything was an outflow of the Word of God. And by the way, everything today in my life and your life is an outflow of how we view the Word of God. If we view the Word of God with its authority, with the refreshment of our souls that it is, that it nourishes our deep spiritual roots, if we view the Word of God in that context, everything will be an outflow. If you're here today and you're like, well, you know what, I can kind of take it or leave it, you will bear the consequences of that ideology. There is only one thing that is true, ultimately, and Jesus said it like this, as he's speaking to himself, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. When Jesus says this, that's a definite article. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. You say, well, that sounds exclusive. It is. It's very exclusive. Only through the blood of Jesus can you be saved. There's no other way. They knew this. Number two, look in your Bible, the fellowship. It means this to be in spiritual partnership. So number one, think through this. Don't overcomplicate this. As I open this Bible in front of you, they centered themselves around the Word of God. I mean, that's what they did. They centered themselves around the Word of God. They centered themselves around spiritual partnership. See, it's hard to be in partnership with someone who's not centered around the Word of God. Everything, again, is an outflow. If you are a believer today, you have Jesus Christ living inside of you. That means this, you have the light of life living inside of you. When you encounter people who are walking in darkness, the light in you will be greatly offensive to them. There's no way to get around this. The prayer is that they would see the light in you, and they would go, wow, I don't want to walk in darkness any longer. I want to walk in truth and light. I mean, I want what you have, right? That, that's the aim, that when they see at work tomorrow, they go, I don't know what it is about you, but you got peace and you got joy and you got contentment and I got everything this world has to offer and I'm living in misery. Tell me who this is. Tell me what this is in your life that they would plead with us. Well, there's that spiritual partnership, that fellowship. Number three, the breaking of bread. Now, in this instance, it's not referring to a potluck. This is referring to the Lord's Supper in this instance here. And number four, prayer. Now think through this for a moment. Just think through what's being said here. Here's the early church, and they're modeling what it looks like to be spiritually healthy. Do you notice that all four of these things under one verse in verse 42 have nothing to do with man's principles, have nothing to do with what the world says? Everything they're dealing with is spiritual in nature. Everything they're dealing with is God-centered. Is it any wonder that when you get later on in Acts, that in the midst of craziness going on, there's Paul. Paul's running around from city to city. There's riots going on. I mean, everywhere he's going, people hate him because he's preaching the truth of God's Word. But you see growth. You see an amazing explosion of the Lord as they follow in obedience to spiritual things. That's why key number one is so important in your notes. I want you to write this down. If you really want to grow spiritually as an individual, as a family, as a church, here's key number one. When you walk in obedience to the glory of God, you will devote your life to what God values. Write that down. When you walk in obedience to the glory of God, you will devote your life to what God values. 
You know, it's just easy in our Americanized culture to kind of be a, a casual Christian, which is an oxymoron. I mean, it's a contradiction in terms. It doesn't mean we're perfect, but there will be a devotion, a commitment. By the way, commitment always involves sacrifice. If you're going to be committed again at your job, even to a hobby, it's going to take sacrifice. There's going to be times where, you know, you're going to have to if I'm going to choose this, I'm going to have to, well, you know what? I'm going to have to give up something else. There's an opportunity cost to more than things just in life, but even spiritually speaking. But for the true believer, we should joyfully just lay those things on the altar, amen? Just go, man, that's what I want to do. Man, I want to live for Jesus. I want to make a difference. I want to be well-pleasing to Him, and even if it costs me everything, I want to live for the King. What does God value? Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever asked yourself that question? Hmm. What does God value? What's important to God? Well, I know this is not an exhaustive list, but when I look at verse 42, I know God values His Word. I know He values spiritual partnerships. I know He values His Lord's Supper, communion. And I know He values prayer. Again, isn't this amazing how this works? It's, it's not overly complicated, but so often we tend to overcomplicate things. God has a very simple plan in place about what's going to stir the revival, to stir the awakening, to stir a mighty move of God, that we would leave just not this church house, but we would leave to go to work and to the family reunions. Yes, even the family reunions, God can somehow redeem, Amen. Like he can do that work in the midst of that strife, even inside your family. He can do a great redeeming work. That's what God does. That's the power of the gospel. Every time you look at a cross, every time that you look at the image of the empty tomb, if you will, just look at that and say, you know what? That represents that I'm beyond self repair. I can't fix myself, but Jesus can. Jesus can do the work in your life today. He can make all things new. But these early believers had it going on, and they knew what was most valuable to God. Write down 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 61. 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 61, it says this, Let your heart, therefore, be wholly true to the Lord our God, walking in His statues and keeping His commandments, obeying Him as it is this day. Powerful, powerful, that you want your heart to be wholly surrendered to Him. A partially surrendered heart to God will lead to partial obedience to God. But a fully devoted life, a fully devoted heart to God, one that the man, the woman, the student, the child simply say, man, we're going to give everything, we're going to surrender everything to you today, God, to be well-pleasing to you. God will bless that obedience. Write down Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. And this one's really simple. It just buttons this whole thing up. It says this, Colossians 3, 17. And whatever you do in word or deed, do what, church? Everything. Do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Have you guys ever had something that you were getting ready to do? Maybe it's cutting the grass, maybe it's rearranging your sock drawer, I don't know what it is, but you, you got like a lousy attitude about it and you really don't want to do it. 
And there in the scriptures, right there in Colossians 3.17, it says this, that in whatever you do and whatever I do, that we should do this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to Him and praising His name. Think about what that will do in my life and your life even today, that there's a task that awaits you, awaits me, and and we just simply say, God, I want to live for you. I want to make a difference for you. I want to shine the light of the gospel for you into that home. Maybe it's a relationship with a child that perhaps it's broken, it's frayed, it's, it's been severed, and, and you just want to live for that child in a way that they model or that you model what it looks like to live for Jesus. I pray that God would do that through you. Look at verse 43 for a moment. Here's the results of this devotion, this courage, this unwavering pursuit and passion. Verse 43, and awe came upon every soul. How many souls? Every soul. And many signs and wonders are being done through the apostles. This is so cool. This word awe means this, a holy awe, fear, and reverence. Have you ever just not sang the song, I stand amazed in the presence, but you began to experience it? Have you ever just stood amazed at Jesus? Has the Holy Spirit ever worked in your life in such a powerful way that perhaps even as the Word is going forth and going forth in power, that, that all the things that are jockeying for your attention, all those things of the world that, you know, if I just get this or go there or, you know, have this retirement plan or, or have this second home or whatever it is that looks so appealing that you begin as the Holy Spirit begins to work in your life and He softens your heart and it becomes tender and pliable, that as He gets in there that you begin to just rise to your feet almost and say, that's what I want. Like, that's what I want in my life. I want to make a difference for Jesus. I don't want to live just one hand in the world and one hand on God, but I want to make a difference. That's what happens when you experience the awe and wonder of who God really is. He will do something so powerful in your life. You know, there was an old phrase that someone said years ago, but they said something like this, that in many of our gatherings that it's totally possible for the Holy Spirit to leave and no one would notice. I don't know about you, but I I don't want to be in business as usual mode. I I want to get into where God's working, amen? Where God's stirring, where God's doing things. How do you get there? You go back to verse 42. You stay anchored to the Word of God at any and all cost. You say, well, wait a minute. You know what? People aren't they're probably going to not like me. True. You're saying, well, what if I offend them? You're probably going to offend them. This is part of the Word of God. The Word of God is offensive. Jesus said this, that I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. Now, that's an interesting thought because this is, He is the Prince of Peace, but you got to understand this. He gives peace to the true believer. To the person who resists Him and rejects Him, there's going to be a sword of division there. He will bring you peace. And the only way you can have peace with God is to truly begin to experience the peace of God, and that's through Jesus. you got to remember the whole point of Christ is that He would bring us to God. That's the whole point, that we couldn't do this on our own through that image of the cross that I just gave. And through that image, He shows us that it's, we're absolutely helpless without Him. And yet with God, all things are possible, Amen. 
How many of you today believe that God can still perform great and mighty things? Do you believe that today? I mean, I believe that today, that God can perform great and mighty things. I believe as we unify together, as we submit to God, that we continue to pound on the door of heaven in prayer, and we just believe by faith that God is going to do something amazing on this corner, and we set our hopes and our affection on Him, that we're not looking at, at the wind and the waves as Peter did, because if you look at the wind and the waves, you'll sink, but you just look to Jesus and go, we're going to trust you no matter what. We're going to believe by faith that you're going to do something amazing. That's where God begins to work, because the Bible says this, without faith, it's impossible to please Him. Faith is not faith if everything's just grand and we already know the result. The whole point of faith is we're trusting you, God. Doesn't mean we don't do anything. Of course we do. But there's some point in that faith journey as you study the Scriptures. It's number one of what the church did right here in verse 42, that you look from the beginning to the end of this book and you see example after example where there's men and women that literally said, God, I don't know how you're going to do this. We just know you're going to do this. And that's when God begins to work in those situations. Powerful example there in 43 that all came above them or among them. And he did a great and mighty work through signs and wonders. Write this down, key number two in your notes. If you really want to grow spiritually as an individual, as a family, as a church, write down key number two. When you walk in obedience to the glory of God, you will be gripped with holy awe and wonder by the greatness of God. I love that. Key number two, when you walk in obedience to the glory of God, there's your aim, you will be gripped with holy awe and wonder by the greatness of God. Look at these verses that I pray will underpin this thought. Write these down, Exodus chapter 15, verse 11, Exodus 15, 11. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? Who is like you? Church, who is like our God? Do you know? Like, who's like our God? Can someone tell me? No one's like our God. There is no one like our God. There is only one God. And no matter what the challenge may be in your life today, Face those challenges head on. Go through the blood of Jesus Christ and press through by His holiness, by His power, by His working. Plead with God. Begin to be a prayer warrior. Pound on that door of heaven. Do not relent. Just believe by faith that God's going to work some way, somehow in the midst of your struggle today. And I believe this as we submit our will to Him, as we give our kingdoms over to Him. I believe that God will do something that will blow our minds. And I believe this, as Tozer said, God is looking for people through whom He will do the impossible. What a pity we plan only the things we can do on our own. You're listening to This Day in the Word, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. All of Pastor Couch's messages are archived and are free to download at thisdayministries.org. In addition, you can share your prayer requests with us via email. Our email address for prayer requests is prayer at thisdayministries.org. That's prayer at thisdayministries.org. And now, back to This Day in the Word with Pastor John Couch. 
Isaiah chapter 8, verse 13 says it like this, But the Lord of hosts, Him you shall honor as holy. Let Him be your fear, and let Him be your dread. Wow. Isaiah 8, 13. You know, just what happened, just what would happen, think about this in your life. What would it look like in your life today, in my life today, if, if we truly begin to fear God? Fear Him with that holy awe and reverence. So you've got to remember that you go back to just a few verses in Acts chapter 2 from where you are in verse 43 right now. It's verse 37. They just heard this powerful sermon from Peter. He didn't pull any punches. He didn't hold anything back. He wasn't trying to coddle feelings. He said, you guys killed Jesus. That's a serious accusation. And because their, their hearts were soft and tender, it says they were cut to the heart. They were ripped wide open. See, you will begin to look at God and all His holy awe and wonder when your heart is ripped wide open. Think through this as the Lord, I pray, is speaking to our hearts even right now. Think through this thought from Psalm 86. Look at the dire humility, verse 11. The dire hunger. Teach me your way. I love this. Teach me your way, O Lord. Why? That I may walk in your what church? Truth. Unite my what church? Heart. To what church? Fear your name. Imagine all over this room today, this is all we do. We cry out Psalm 8611. God, teach me your way. Just, just teach me your way, oh God. Teach me your way. Teach me your law. Teach me your word. Why? That I may walk in your truth. We live in a culture today that if you are not armed with the sword of the Spirit, you will bend, you will buckle, and you will break. You will give in at a moment's notice. But as the Lord teaches you and I His word, that we write it on the tablet of our hearts, the psalmist said that what? Your word I have hidden in my heart. Why? That I may not sin against you. Teach me your way, O God, that I may walk in your truth. Then he says this, unite, unite my heart with yours. Unite my heart with yours. Unite my heart in such a way that I begin to fear you with holy awe and reverence. And that's the place I want to camp out on for the rest of my life. Because what happened next in the Bible in front of you? Well, in verse 44 through 46, because of this desire and this longing for His awe and holiness in their lives, verse 44, look what they did with one another. Look at the outflow of this. And all who believed were together and they had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, see the commitment here, the devotion? They're attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. This actually does refer to a potluck here. They received their food with glad and generous hearts. I don't know if you noticed this, but when you look at those verses... 
there was a spirit of camaraderie. Just look at those verses in 44 through 46. There was a spirit of selflessness. There was a spirit of unity and oneness. It said all who believed were together. And day by day, they were attending the temple together. I mean, if you really want to grow today truthfully in the Lord, individually, as a family, as a whole church, key number three points us in the direction we need to go. Write this down in your notes. Key number three, when you walk in obedience to the glory of God, you will be unified and selfless towards those you are walking with. Let me say that again. Key number three. When you walk in obedience to the glory of God, you will be unified and you will be selfless towards those you are walking with. I made this note. I said this. If you are truly in union to Christ, you will be in union with others who are also truly in union to Christ. Let me say that one more time. If you are truly in union to Christ, you will be in union with others who are truly in union to Christ. Someone said this, and it was a powerful statement. They said the lack of rootedness in deep long-term relationships spoils spiritual growth. The Bible might say it like this in Philippians chapter 2, 1 through 5. Listen to what Paul says here as he dives deep and he, he's teaching that church in Philippi. He says, this is what it looks like to be in union. Just not, hey, got the fire insurance. Just not, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm in. No, it's something that outflows in this physical life. There's going to be fruit of the Spirit that manifests itself. If you're a true believer today, we're not perfect, but there will be fruit in my life and your life that gives evidence that our faith is actually real. Philippians says it like this, so if there's any encouragement in Christ, did you notice how he said that? Let me just back up for a second to make sure you didn't miss this. So if there is any encouragement in who church? Christ. That's the key. It's always the focus is Christ. Any comfort from love, any participation in the what church? Spirit. Any affection and sympathy. Paul says, complete my joy. By being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full one accord and one mind, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. Do nothing but in humility. Count others, what? Count them how? More significant than yourselves. Let each of you, me and you, look not only to our own interests. Boy, that's hard, isn't it? Boy, that's a tough one but also to the interests of others. Why? Because having this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Let me read verse 5 again. Because have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Have you ever prayed, oh God, give me the mind of Christ? Ever prayed that before? God, give me the mind of Christ. That's where that comes from when we pray that. We often are thinking of Philippians chapter 2. Give me his mind. Give me his mind who, who didn't consider it robbery to, to leave God's presence, but was God incarnate. He, he came as a babe. 
in a manger, that he lived this sinless life, that he was tortured and executed on a cruel Roman cross, and he did all this willingly. No one had to twist his arm. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane, and that's where he surrenders his will out loud to the Father. God, if there's any other way that I could forsake this cup, but nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. See, Jesus died faithfully, didn't he? But we know this, that Jesus arose faithfully, amen? And because Jesus lives, we can face today and we can face tomorrow. Because Jesus lives, because he conquered sin and death and the grave is forever empty, because he lives, we operate, church, we operate not for a victory, we operate from the victory. The victory's already been won, Sure, are there hard times, amen. Welcome to America 2022. But we continue to press on for God's glory, amen. We live, we live in this culture to be lights in the darkness that many might run to the cross of Jesus Christ. Think about this verse that I want to give you, Galatians chapter 6. It's actually two verses, 2 and 3. Under this key number three, it says this, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. The imagery there and this bearing is just so powerful. It literally from the original language gives the imagery of, of someone taking their shoulder and putting it under the armpit of their brother or their sister. And they're literally helping carry them along through this spiritual journey. But then he adds on this phrase of this beautiful imagery of, of oneness and unity and this koinonia that goes back to Acts chapter 2, 42, that they're devoting themselves to the, the preaching of the Word, number one, first and foremost, because everything's an outflow. They're devoting themselves what? When you look in the Scriptures, there's the fellowship, the spiritual partnership. They're devoting themselves to the Lord's Supper. They're devoting themselves to this glorious act of vertical communion through prayer. And now we think through this key number three and this bearing one another's burdens. When you put your shoulder under someone's armpit, you're getting pretty close, amen? I mean, that's showing in physical form. Man, we can say, man, we're praying for you, hope it works out, but man, we get under each other's shoulders, so to speak, and we need to carry one another, that there's a unity, there's a oneness, there's a spiritual partnership there. But then right after that verse in Galatians 6, he warns us in verse 3, for if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. See, God is always warning throughout the pages of Scripture what pride does to a heart. Even a noble act of putting the arm under someone's armpit could be manifested in pride if we're not careful. And Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says, don't seduce yourself. That's what that word means, deceive. Don't trick yourself. Don't get baited. Don't get lured away. He says, no, walk in holiness as you pursue what this early church modeled. So lastly, 
what was this major result of this band of people who didn't have any theological training, but they'd been cut to the heart. The soil of their hearts was ready for God to go, now we can get down to work. Now I can begin to do something amazing in your midst. But what did he do in verse 47? Well, praising God and having favor with all people. So they're praising. They're giving God doxa, the doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. And then here's the key. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. True salvation, true regeneration, true rescue. What did they do in this process? I asked myself earlier. I mean, nothing seems overly exciting here from a fleshly standpoint. They certainly didn't model the business world and best practices. See, before God's going to do something powerful spiritually, the hearts and the minds of the souls and the people have to get their hearts, minds, and souls right spiritually. And this is exactly what he's referring to here in Galatians. And we come back to this beautiful verse in 47 of Acts 2. And I believe key number four puts a big bow on this. And here's what I wrote down. Key number four. Write it down in your notes. When you walk in obedience to the glory of God, praise is a natural outflow. And God will bring forth His spiritual blessings. Write this down. Take this to the bank. And I'm going to prove it to you here in just a minute from Scripture. I'm going to prove this to you. Write this down. Key number four. When you walk in obedience, it's key. If you're walking in disobedience, you're on a fool's errand. It's not going to happen. If you're walking to your own glory and not the glory of God, fool's errand. Not going to happen. Praise is a natural outflow and God will bring forth His spiritual blessings. I love to watch football. I just love to watch football. You know what's amazing? When my team scores a touchdown or my team is winning, no one has to come over into my lazy boy chair where I'm locked and loaded, got my big tub of water, maybe a little bit of chocolate on the side, amen? Amen. No one has to come over to me when I, my team scores and goes, John, get excited. I mean, it's amazing how it's a reflex, isn't it, for you sports fans? I mean, it's just a reflex. I mean, when your team's winning, it's just a reflex. You don't, you know what, my team just scored, and I think I need to do something right now. No, it's just a reflex. It's you're just so excited because your team is, is doing something. You're so excited that, that there's joy in the house, so to speak. It's a reflex. That's exactly what praise is. For a true believer, it's just a reflex. It's what you do. It's like, oh, that's my God. He's so amazing. I just want to worship Him today. And I think there's many all over our country, even churches right now this morning, that there's not any reflex. 
if you really want to grow spiritually, the way you grow spiritually is to embrace and treasure and to run hard after what God loves. He loves His Word. He loves spiritual partnership that's in union to one another. He loves, He loves His Supper, the Lord's Supper. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me that you might proclaim my death until I come. And God today, He loves you. And He loves when you pray to Him. And you talk with Him. And you commune with Him. And you get a bunch of people doing those four things. Watch out. You say, how do you know? Look what happened here on this day of Pentecost. They were so cut to the heart. They got thousands of, upon thousands of people. The world's largest baptismal service is happening on this day. They didn't manufacture this. They didn't somehow scheme and plan it. They just simply were obedient to God and said, God, have your way with us today. You say, well, how do you know from other Scriptures? Well, we'll study this in the coming weeks, but write down Acts chapter 4. I'm sorry, Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. Verse 31, Acts 9, 31, listen to these words. Just listen to the power of these words. So the church throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria. It's a pretty diverse area there. Like diverse people had what church? Peace. And was being built up. Now here it is. Listen to these words. And walking in the, what church? Fear of the Lord. And in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it did what? It multiplied. It flourished. You know, it's interesting when you think about that. God can do amazing things. But often he's waiting on us to take the first spiritual step. That key number four is so important. When you walk in obedience to the glory of God, praise is a natural outflow. And God will bring forth his spiritual blessings. Paul had a tough life, didn't he? I mean, so many people think about Paul. Man, he wrote all these amazing words in this Bible as the Holy Spirit inspired him, that's true. But now when you study the life of Paul on that Acts 9 Damascus road, right there it is. Right there's Paul and Jesus goes, hey you, stop persecuting me. Stop. Stop this. Oh, by the way, I'm going to radically choose you and save you and redeem you now. And you're going to be a chosen vessel of mine that you might suffer greatly for my name. And boy, did Jesus come through on that promise. And all of Paul's life from that moment forward was suffering. Why? To advance the gospel. He's shipwrecked. He's beaten. He's lied about. He's gossiped about. He's just thrown on the bus by friends, seeming friends that as Demas, what happened? He used to love me, but now he loves this present world. 
And yet Paul continued to press on. He continued with the mission. He was dialed in that that nothing would stop him. And the church flourished because of his obedience. Even though everywhere he went, he caused riots. He got thrown out of places. They hated him. Why? Because Christ, the hope of glory, the light of the gospel was living inside of him. And it greatly incensed those around him. It was, they were furious. And yet he stayed the course. And he praised the Lord. He even said this to the church in Corinth. He said these words, and it's such a dichotomy. He said, in the midst of my trials, we are sorrowful, but always rejoicing. <laughs> Doesn't make any sense in the human mind, does it? I'm sorrowful, but I'm always rejoicing. How do you live a life, church, today? And you leave this building, how do you live a life that you're sorrowful, but you're always rejoicing? There's only one way you can pull that off, and that's through total surrender to Jesus as the Holy Spirit takes over your life. Hebrews winds it up like this. Hebrews chapter 13, 15 and 16. And this is my prayer for me and you as we prepare to go to our mission fields even this afternoon. Through Him, did you catch that? Not through the world, not through self-help, but through Him, then let us continually, repetition, offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of the lips that acknowledge His name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. I remember years ago I heard this illustration that captivated my heart, but we see it in our culture today, and this was years ago, but there was a, a gathering of people in a foreign country and some militant people stormed into this gathering. And as they stormed into the gathering, they began to open fire with these automatic weapons. It was quite a bloodbath, as you could imagine, all over this large room. Many people that day perished and entered into an eternity, either with Jesus or without Him. It was interesting because one man that they know of survived, and he was being interviewed evidently by a news reporter after all this carnage and the rescue squads and the police entered the scene, and of course terribly shaken by the trauma that had just been endured by this horrific evil act of just pure wickedness. And with blood still covering this person, the TV reporter asked, they said, well, how did you survive? How did you get out of this mess? To which they responded, I was covered in the blood. See, someone else's blood, as they were laying there, had flowed out upon them, and it made them look as though they had been deceased. What a powerful visual for the true believer today, that in the midst of carnage all around you, in the midst of trauma all around you, that when someone looks at you and looks at me and they say, how did you get out of this? You can just say, I'm covered in the blood 
whose name is Jesus. Amen? Do you want to grow spiritually? Do you want your home, your, your little mini church, maybe it's just you and your wife, maybe you still have children in your home, maybe you're a single person in your home today, do you want that little mini church to grow spiritually? Do you want our fellowship here to grow spiritually? If you do, treasure, hang on to this glorious book, the Bible, like it's your life, because it is. It's the air you breathe. Devote yourself, total commitment to oneness and partnership spiritually. Celebrate the Lord's table as we do each month with gratitude and humility. And be a person of prayer every day, pleading with God, believing by faith that God can do the impossible. I pray that's all of us in this room today. Wouldn't it be amazing if we can look back on this day and as a point in history in our lives where we knew God was beginning the true revival as we simply just abandoned it all for the sake of the call. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we come before you. Lord, we love you and we worship you in this time. Lord, as you're stirring in our hearts here today, maybe there's one who has never given their life to you, Jesus. Oh God, I pray, would you just begin to speak in such power. If you haven't already, I pray you do it now. Lord, the enemy's real. You've warned us. The enemy will do everything in his power right now to divert us, to set a trap and a detour away from you. And yet, God, we see clearly from your word how spiritual growth really happens. God, remind us of that. The enemy is just so crafty. He'll use instances, he'll use people, he'll use circumstances, he'll use things to lure us, to bait us, to draw us away, God, and ultimately seduce us. God, I pray you would guard my heart. I pray you'd guard all of our hearts. Do a work right now, God, that only you can do, Holy Spirit. May you move in such power in our individual hearts that as we come collectively, as we come collectively together, that there will be such power, God. May you move as we obey. May you move as we're totally surrendered. May you move as we're totally committed. And even as the world cheers against those who seek to be totally committed to you, Jesus. May we remember that we only serve one audience, and that's the audience of one God, and that's you. May we please you and please you alone, and to you be all the praise as you move in power in this place. And we pray this in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. You've been listening to This Day in the Word, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. Don't forget that all of these messages are archived and are free to download. 
at thisdayministries.org. That's thisdayministries.org. In addition, if you have been blessed by the teaching of God's Word during This Day in the Word, we would love to hear from you. Our email address is info at thisdayministries.org. Thanks again for listening as we strive to honor Christ and impact our world as we spend this day in the Word.